I don't know how much value I have in this universe, but I do know that I made a few people happier than they would have been without me. As long as I know that, I'm as rich as I ever need to be. Hello, just want to take a moment of your time to talk about Manic Music. Manic Music is a brand new label that myself and John G have launched. Uh, we're using it as a platform for our tunes um, and to get them out there, but as well to get good music out there. Um, we believe we've got an idea of the direction we want to go in and we want to share that vision with people. Um, there's many producers reached out to us and said, think you might like this tune i've heard it i'm like yeah this is a this is what we're looking for uh, we've got so much music signed to the label already as well that hasn't seen the light of day but it's just because we've been waiting for this um this big kickoff of it all uh, this year 2024 is probably gonna be our biggest yet i mean it's only last year it needs to com compare with we've only gone 14 months but with the label we really want to make a statement with in of intent um we've both got a very similar taste in music, so when it comes down to it, I, I love trance melodies. I love I love I love the big kick drums of hard dance. Um, I love I love I love solid bass lines. I, I'm I'm a massive massive sucker for the for the late '90s sort of Dutch house, um, and equally, I love the Italian stuff. I grew up on the Italian stuff. John was a hero of mine growing up, to, so to be making music with him is a big thing for me um so when we got chatting and stuff like that i just thought wow like this is a a, a massive massive opportunity to make something great uh, we started off with manic uh we did uh, love is lost first which is on the year one ep which you can go and check out now um and basically what we done was we just put our ideas together of of how we think the music should sound and it's progressed but we've progressed to a point in now in which we think we can help other people out, push good music, um, and by good music, we're talking big melodies, we're talking lovely catchy vocals, um, amazing piano chord progressions, and we want the music element back to the hard dance and bounce scene. Um, and what we're trying to do is, we're, we're, this is just a message just to say to everyone who's watching the podcast, um, go and check us out. If you have got a passion for that, that, sound it's, it's it's like an infusion of trance music the euro dance from the 2000s and it's it, but it sounds fresh we're using fresh production fresh sounds fresh samples it sounds like it was made in 2024 but it's got that that lovely feeling of music and melodies um i don't want to go on too much about it just a quick message to you so if you want to go and check us out go and find us on spotify um manic music the label we've got some amazing music coming out from some really really good artists as well uh, i could name drop a couple of them because we've got them confirmed we've got music coming from rob kane we've got music coming from dvb um we've got music coming from cal and leah with it, it's a really nice list of, of of good melodic tunes and like as well solid bass lines sort of like I don't want to get too passionate about it, but before we get into this, I just gonna make I'm just gonna just cut back on it um and just say please, 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 if you are a lover of this music, go and check it out, check it out because I genuinely hand on heart think that over the next year you're gonna see some of the best music bouncers seen in a long time. My personal opinion. There might be people who don't agree with that, but that's just the way I feel about it. So yeah, nice one. Enjoy the episode. Back once again for another episode. This is 
Jay Viper. Hello. How are we doing? Uh, so, this is the first time we've had another podcast on the podcast. So, um, I feel like I'm on my driving test now with the driving stuff there. <laughs> no. Um, so, can you just enlighten us about your podcast? Um, just do a little plug before we get started. Okay. So, my podcast is the Couture 303 podcast. Started about 18 months ago. Uh, and it was just an outlet, really, to explore. The backstories of DJs from the old school scene and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and it, it just kind of evolved. It was funny how it came about, actually. I had a t-shirt range, and off the back of the t-shirt range, I did a website. And to promote the website, I said to a local guy, Lee Hall, who runs Back to the Dock, mm. don't know if you know Lee or not, uh, I said, do you want to do an interview? I'll do an interview and I'll put it on the website. It's a good way to promote your nice and to get a bit of traction, yeah, you know, a bit, a bit of traffic to my mm. site. So I did an interview with him. And through no fault of Lee's, it was shite. Mm. I didn't know what I was doing. None of this gear, what we've got all got here now. Mm. I had a little uh, a Tascam personal recorder sat on his desk. I had questions on a phone, not even a tablet. Mm. And it was, I, I listen back to it now and it, it makes me fucking toes care because it, it was so unnatural. Um, and I went away, it was about 25 minutes long and I, I put it up. I got loads of views because obviously Lee, Lee's got quite a big following. Mm. Um, but me being me, I went, fucking hell, that, that's shite, that. I, I can do better than that. So I reached out to uh, MC Cyanide, who was the MC in the zone from yeah, Birkenhead, yeah. and he said he'd do one. So I went to his apartments, and by this time I'd bought fucking boom arms and a, yeah. a little recorder, all that kind of stuff. And that went a lot better. So <laughs> when I'm getting a tattoo off me mate, uh, Mick Phillips, shout out to Killer B Tattoo, by the way, if you want a, a shit hot tattoo. Like, like some of the ones I've got here, not, not all of them, some of these are shite. Um, and he just said to me, how's your podcast going? And I said, I, I haven't got a podcast. And he went, well, you'll have. He said, you've, you've interviewed people. It's gone online. That's a podcast. And I kind of thought, oh, fucking hell, you've got a point there. So Rob Kane, who was my episode three, yeah. was my first actual podcast where I actually structured it like a podcast yeah. and I started doing research I started bringing a tablet with me with bullet points um, and then I had some little funny questions at the end and stuff like that intro music jingle all that kind of stuff that was the first one that, that was actually a podcast and then from there I interviewed obviously Rob was an old friend of mine I reached out to people who were new in the industry one of them being Ian Redman from Ultrabeat yeah. uh, and he just never got back in touch with me <clears throat> and it's funny enough as I was outside Rob's house and I said, uh, I said, if you know anyone who'll do it, you know, let me let me know. And he went, reach out to Redman. I said, I fucking have it. He's ghosting me. <laughs> anyway, fast forward 12 months after that, I'd established myself a little bit better and I'd reached out to a guy called Steve Cocky who runs Indemand Radio and yeah. Reminisce. And he said to me, why don't you come here and do it? Come to Indemand Studio. I went, okay, yeah. So I'm like, fucking hell. Go to Indemand Studio. I fucking made up. Get my hair done and all that. You know what I mean? Turned up in Indemand Studios. Yeah. <clears throat> Turned up in Indemand Studios. And who's there? Ian Redman. Yeah. Fucking hell. I went, yeah, you cunts. We're like... Anyway, got his number. So off the back of speaking to Steve Cocky, um, I got Ian Redman on board then and did a podcast with him as well. But when I did the, the podcast with Steve Cocky, I think it was the Wednesday, the Saturday morning, he rang me. And he said, I've got a proposition for you. And I said, okay. And I was expecting him to say, listen, if you want me to get like fucking Rosala or Ian Van Dahl or something like that, you know, yeah. I, I, can, I can backdoor you type thing. And he said, have you ever considered doing a radio show? And I went, fucking hell, 
the honest answer is no, I, I haven't. Mm. Not, not something's ever crossed my mind. He said, I think he'd be good for the show. We've got a, an old school DJ now, but he doesn't sound local. He's a cracking lad. You sound local without sounding scally. Mm. You've got a knowledge of music. You know, I think it'd be a good fit. Do a demo and we'll see how we get on. Um, and yeah, so I did him a demo and I thought the demo was fucking... I was like, oh, fucking got this. <laughs> so on the, on the demo, were you like, as if you were hosting a, a show? <clears throat> so, or was it just a mix? No, so the, the demo, he said to me, don't worry about how you structure the music. It's more about your present, present, presentation mm. skills, pre presenting skills, mm. presentation. So me, I'm 48. Mm. So for 48 years, DJs have already spoiled, got a little bit like this, up and down. And obviously, I didn't do it to that point. But when I did the demo, he, I, I sent it and I thought, I've got this. Smash that. He's, fucking, he's going to love that. And he, he rang me back and he went, say, listen back to your first link. He said, and imagine me and you were sat in a boozer or a cafe or anywhere and you spoke to me like that. What would my reaction be? I listened back to it and it was all like, it's coming up and all that. And I went, oh, he's got a point. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the lads in work uh, said, you know, I had a little, a little bit up and down. And that was the hardest part of doing a radio show in a cupboard, in my house, under the stairs, little, no, no fucking quarter the size of what we're in now. Yeah. Tiny little cupboard on my own, trying to speak like normal and not be a DJ. Yeah. Because it's in, it's in your blood. You know, let's go and all that. That's, and he's like, no. He went, forget you're talking to potentially hundreds or thousands of people. You're talking to Brad, who's walking his dog. You're talking to Jenny, who's doing the dishes. Mm. You're talking to fucking Mick, who's in the gym. You're talking to fucking Dave, who's, who's on his way to work. Makes sense, yeah. And it was very, it was, it was incredibly hard to get past that barrier of talking like a DJ. And I had a, what they call a snoop. So a snoop, for anyone who doesn't know, is like an, um, like an appraisal. Mm. So I sat down with Rick Horton. Rick Horton's like a broadcasting fucking legend. And he said, I'm the worst for it. He said, I've got the worst radio voice in the world. And he and he he, he has in a sense of, it's not bad, it's great, mm. but it's it's made for radio. And he does the up and down bit. Yeah. And, so it, and, so, and he said, so I, I understand it's fucking hard. So anyway, that was a long game. <laughs> no, no, I get it. We're out there for one question. No, I don't, I get it. We got left. I get it. Hey, and that's all for today, folks. Yes. <laughs> no, um, I, I get where you're coming from. Absolutely, it's it's one of them things where you want to come across as authentic but professional yeah. at the same time, and, and you can't swear. And as well, if you, as well, if if you were to be a bit more casual, it might come across as fake that you too cool yeah you've, you've got to look like your incest it's yeah. it, that's what that was the it was getting that balance of yeah trying to sound excited and, and interested and enthusiastic but not going into radio mode and not dropping the f-bombs and all that obviously on a podcast you can say what the fuck you I like know. I'd, <laughs> I'd struggle if i was on radio like i think if it's pre-recorded i could cut like i've said something oh shit, i'll just read read yeah, it but yeah. if it's live i'd slip just yeah. I, i'm the same I, even at work when i'm at work it's like i swear and sometimes it's part of look, language yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, part, yeah yeah anyway on the on the the uh the, the mention of the radio show i've got me uh, she's on here i've got a little present for you there brad no you weren't expecting this? i haven't got me not in your tight comp but yeah you go what is it? <laughs> i was expecting it. <laughs> what is this oh nice one uh, oh, i love that limited edition 
As in, got myself a t-shirt. As in, there's only two in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. What's and a little, uh, a little winter bob lass as well. Oh, not, not, not bob like that. So what's this? What is this? Then is this your, your Just, uh, uh, So no, so this is the the, the radio show. Nice it's one. called Absolute Old School. Uh, yeah, right. You're very welcome, mate. And the reason I called it, there's another little little sneaky thing here. The reason I called it Absolute Old School is because on in demand. The shows are listed in alphabetical order. Right. So I knew if I had something beginning with A, be it's, at the top, it's at the yeah. top of the list. I bet you won't be the only person who's thought of that, you know, when, yeah. when you're <laughs> you, you thing like... Um, I know it's local to hear in that, uh, in-demand radio, but I, I listen to it on the app. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, when I'm at work and stuff like that. So I, I know what you mean when you when you scroll, you always see the same faces when you're looking to, for the for the show that you're looking yeah. for, if that makes yeah. sense. But I've always think... We didn't just pause him. <laughs> he, went, he went for a poo. <laughs> In the corner. Dirty yeah, bastard. I know. Still there. No. Um, so, yeah. Um, I appreciate this massively. It's all right, massively. mate. Nice. I was doing my own this morning and I thought, you know what, I'll do Brad one as well. Yours, <laughs> nice. yours, yours it's smart. Yeah. I know, it's Limited smart, though. <laughs> it's smart, that. Um, so, yeah, well, we, what we'll do with you is then, where... We'll go right back to the beginning. Okay. Where, where does where does your journey start with music? Is it is it like a proper early start into music? <clears throat> I think musically, and I, I explore this on my podcast as well. One of yeah. the, the first questions I ask people is, "What was your musical background? What was your, what was mm. your what were you subjected to as a kid mm. and exposed to?" And for a lot of people, it's either an older sibling or the parents. Mm. You know, my dad listened. We always had the Beatles on. So for me. It was me, me mum. Me mum's a massive music fan. Mm. Um, she likes Elvis and she liked the glam rock stuff and that. Uh, and my granddad was banging to music as well. My granddad passed away when I was 13, but he was like me dad. So mm. he, I've got his name. That's how he's done me like, actually. Uh, the only man I've ever loved until me, me lad becomes 18. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I've, I've always been exposed to music. And then obviously for me, I got into rock and metal. As, as some of the tattoos might suggest yeah. um, and that was that was my thing for, for years until I got to about 16, 17 when you say rock and metal what, what, can you give us an ex- a few examples so of what one of my favourite bands of all time is ACDC right, got Left okay. to Be Rock tattooed on my arm I've got Bon Scott's name on, on the lightning bolt there um, massive ACDC fan loved Guns N' Roses yeah. and then branched off into like more of the harder stuff got into Metallica yeah. and Pantera a little bit of Iron Maiden Um and then later in life, after a bit of a leapfrog 20 years down the road, I got introduced to Slipknot, and Slipknot became one of my favourite favorite bands. I've got, I've got Joey Jordison's uh, face tattooed on my hand there. He's passed away now, sadly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I've always been... I, I think for me, it's got to be exciting music. Right, it's okay. got to be energetic. On the flip side to that, I like some Elvis stuff. I like some Billy Joel stuff. I like a bit of George Michael. Don't you know? I, I listen to anything. But what what gets me? What 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 makes me passionate is exciting music. High Sometimes energy. aggressive. I like yeah. the I like the aggressive side of me. That's why I like the hard house yeah. and the hard sense and the hard style. I, I like that fucking. Oh, it makes you scrunch your fucking face up. What's, what's your opinion on on like raw style and that like the? So I like I like the early hard style. So the likes of Sam Punk and the stuff Alex Kidd was playing and some of the organ donors stuff mm. and especially the stuff uh, Gaz West Art by Design was making mm. uh, I like that I like it to be punchy I didn't like it when like the distorted kick drums mm. when it went you know when it went massive cue dance and all that kind of stuff and sensation 
I didn't like that. I, th I think it lost. I don't know. It, it just that, that's my personal taste. Mm. I just think it sounded too distorted. I like it nice and punchy. Do you, so what would have you, I know there's all different like variations of the the styles of music there is now. But is it is it freestyle? Have you heard that? So it's like no, it's a know. really high end. Like <clears throat> it sounds like a high pitched kick drum, but it's really bassy. It's hard to explain, yeah. but it's it's. Uh, and that's like really hard and aggressive music. Yeah. Uh, like the kind of stuff Sharky was playing a couple of years ago. Yeah, but yeah. a bit like that. It's like, yeah, the kick drum's like, doo, doo, doo. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah, it's okay. okay. But I, I prefer, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. So I prefer like the the kick to be the kick. Yeah, the kick, the proper yeah, kick drum. I, mean? I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like, I mean, <clears throat> when it comes to musical taste, I, I, I went down the rabbit hole. Of, I'm sure we'll explore it on the podcast mm. now. Like, but. I, I was DJing, then I went away, then I come back, then I went away, and I come back. And the, the, the last, this this time when I come back, my first gig was for Back to the Dock. Mm. And I played an old school bouncy techno set. Mm. Um, Looks good. Then Back to the Docks look decent. Oh, listen, you won't get a nice in Liverpool like it, honest to God. Yeah. Fucking, and and I, I fell out with Lee, who runs Back to the Dock. Yeah. We'll get into that a bit later. We're, we're, we're back talking now. And it was just, it was six and one half dozen, really. You know, I, I was distracted by stuff. He, he didn't understand and we, we kind of fell out because he felt like I wasn't doing me bits so we'll, we'll go into that in a bit because there's, there's more to that story Yeah. Um, but yeah we're, we're back on speaking terms now but even throughout the, the, the time when I wasn't talking to Lee I'll tell anyone who listen that back to the dock for me was special it's my first gig in 13 years so I was a bit, bit fucking nervous a bit rusty mm. mate it was like I'd never been away honest to God even the, the, the crowd that were there and the night, the night they put on, I say they. It's predominantly just Lee who does it all. Yeah, fucking brilliant, mate. Honest to God, you really, really are. So if you if you're looking for something to do yeah, in nice February, <laughs> February there's a fucking fantastic lineup: Slipmat, Dougal, Club Filler, Lee Butler, myself, MC Cyanide. I think MCB's on Edge MC, Locks, um, nice. Jane Angel. There's a fucking list goes on. Twenty four kitchen seats. Tickets are on InTheManTickets.co.uk. No, this is not a sponsor, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. You love I, me for that. You don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, honestly, I've I've seen videos, seen a couple of um, sort of my mates and that who've went and played there, and I just think it it looks top. It looks top. Brilliant. Quality. So, like I say, so back, back to my point, was saying so yeah. that was my first gig back in thirteen years. Now, as as we discussed off pod before, in the interim, I went through a a phase of playing. Uh, hard house and hard trance and hard style, mm. which is gun to my head what I'd like to play more of. Yeah, that's not the old school, the tidy sack stuff and the good grief stuff and the nuclear stuff. Um, you know, all, all the stuff organ donors make all that. that that's my you know, Alpha Zone, the, the remixes they made, some of that stuff's fucking amazing. That's that's my favorite type of music. Do you know that I know this is a bit off subject, but I said this to, to John the other day, the guy who I produced with, um. My favorite track of all time is an Alpha Zone track. Do you yeah, know that? yeah, yeah. It's their uh, remix of "Try." Do you know in Vandal? Yes, that tune. Fuck me, that kick and bass line. See, I, I, for me, I, I'd say hard sense wise, it's either DJ Kim Jetlag Alpha Zone remix yeah. or BK Revolution Alpha Zone remix. Yeah. Alpha Zone. Fuck me. Faultless, they can put yeah. a fucking track together. Them. Yeah. So yeah, I so, don't even know who it is. By the way, I don't know. I who think Alpha it's two Zone people. Is. I think right. it's two people. I don't know who it is, but the the very talented whoever yeah. it is. You and, know and, I mean? and the sad <clears> thing is. When they've made their own sacks, they haven't been that good. They haven't, they, yeah, they, they haven't are, been yeah. that successful. Yeah. And, I, and I personally haven't enjoyed them as much. But their remixes, fuck me. Some yeah. of the, uh, the Dave Joy second chase. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, I'm being a fucking tear to you, right? <laughs> so, um, 
So that was my first gig back playing old school hardcore. So what? What? Give me an example of what sort of tunes you were playing when you come back. So when I did the Battle of the Dock gig, <clears throat> it was like a drone set. Mm. So the likes of Misha and Tim Access, mm. um, fucking Point Break, Sofiorex, mm. a little bit of like um, Detonated Scott Brown, mm. uh, fucking We'll Delete the Week, Panic. And how did how did how did that them tune? What was the responses like on them tunes when you were playing? amazing? Oh, I, 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 enough, when I finished <clears> my <throat> set. I went outside and I, I, I rang my missus and Jenny, <laughs> just true story this, I said, oh, and Jenny went, have you had son? <laughs> I went, what? She went, have you had son? I went, no, I was, I was fucking driving. She went, you sound like you're fucking off. I said, I'm not fucking, I'm not like alive. Buzzing I'm buzzing. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the feedback was great. Got asked to get me picture talking, people fucking, you know, hugging me and all that after the set. It's like, wow, like a proper welcome back. So off the back of that, a guy who used to, work with many many years ago got in touch saying oh, i was seeing you playing blah 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 do you want to come play in our night in birkenhead it's hardcore i said well i i i've got no i've only got old school he said oh this is all new stuff i mean give me give me a week or so so i started going on hard tunes and fucking juno and beat post and I, I started going down the hardcore route again but me being me, you're meant to mature with these and, and slow down. Mm. I went down the French core route. Right. So I was going at 180, 200, 220 BPM. And it was only when I was getting gigs in Birkenhead playing this kind of stuff, I was thinking, I don't really like that. It's all right, like, but it's not what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm too old to keep up with it. I'm fucking dancing around 200 BPM. I, I, I can't <laughs> keep up to my own music. Yeah. Um, so that's when I made the <clears> conscious <throat> decision to, I, I want to, Spring it back down a little bit and start playing what I want to play, yeah. And then obviously things progress from there, but um, yeah, that was fucking. It was, it I mean, I, all I asked you was, what, Who did you think growing up? And it's good to this, <laughs> <laughs> nah. you're gonna get two hours out of this, <laughs> <laughs> nah. Um, so yeah, so you were saying about like obviously your 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 pair, uh, your, your mum and your granddad being yeah. um, a big influence to you, and you can see when you've, you've talked about it, it's, it's clear, especially with some of the names you, you, you were rhyming off before, so. Going forward, then where where did where does like when you're in school? What what was what was it like when you're in school? Like <clears> what, <throat> what was? I'm I'm not being nosy. I know you said your age, but it's not. It's, I feel rude to say. But what what years were you in school? Sort of roughly like so, secondary. Seven, seven, so in eighty five, I was ten. Right. So nineteen ninety, I right. was what fifteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, so so that was like me, me um, the, the senior years, if you like. Yeah. Um. So around about that time, fucking the birth, the birth, like the birth really of the yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. We, I was talking to a mate of mine called Neil Walsh, uh, who again we we were mates in school. Even though the first when I was growing up in school, there was two lads who had decks: yeah. Neil Walsh and Kev McKenna, and yeah. they both lived a stone still from my house, and they both were integral into me getting into DJing. Uh, Neil probably doesn't even notice, but he was the first person I knew had decks, and we go down to his house and I'd, I'd watch him on. And I was like, "Fucking hell, you know, I wouldn't mind a little go with that." And was was he a good DJ? Like at that at that, at that time? stage? No, I think he'll admit to himself. He he wasn't. He was just a. a no, but what I mean is, was he somebody you could learn off at that at that point? Probably not, because no. he didn't know himself. Okay. okay um, right. he, he he had these decks, <clears> and we, we were joking about today. You listen back to your old tapes, and you're like, fucking hell, you know, you think of the bee's knees hmm. at the time, and I suppose in, in a way, in the early to mid nineties, 
As I've just alluded to there, only two people I knew had decks. Mm. Now everybody's got decks. Everyone's got a controller. Everyone's got a set of turntables or a set of CDs. But back then, it was only these two lads. Uh, Kev Mack was the guy who actually said to me, yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you in a little bit. And he taught me actually the, the fundamentals of mixing. Mm. And around that time, my nan passed away and she left me some money. And my mum said, I've got some money that off your nan. Uh, I'm going to give it a thousand pounds. Don't waste it. Mm. What are you going to do with it? And I said, I'm going to buy decks. And she kind of went, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Bear in mind, <laughs> at the age of like, say, 18, 19, yeah. I'd had the guitar, I'd had the karate uniform, yeah. I'd had the fucking, I've had, you know, I'd, had, I'd gone through all the hobbies, fucking stamp collecting, computers, I'd done all that. Nothing had ever happened, nothing had ever come of it. So my mum probably thought, fucking, here we go again. And what do you know? I got the decks, which, as we spoke about today off pod, they're the same decks that are in Rob Kane's house. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, my, yeah. My first Technics I bought second hand and sold to Rob Kane, yeah. and he's still got them to this day. Testament to the fucking power of the, the 1210s. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, and then and that, that was it. So I, I started um, buying records, uh, and I didn't know where I was going with it at the point, because at that time in school, it was fragmenting off a little bit. You had the people who were into, like, Pink Floyd and rock music and you had the people who were starting to get into dance music but even the dance music was starting to go in different avenues the, the drone was the big club but some people went to state and the state was more uh, classic handbag you know mm. piano hands in the air anthems and the drone was a lot harder but even when I started going to the drone it started to t turn and twist again because the first tapes I got from the drone with like Sir Carl Cox and MC Majika mm. they were playing like fucking DJ PC expansions and um, Tribal Church, uh, Die Witness. But when I started going to Rome, they'd started booking the likes of Lauren Garnier, Mario De Bellis, the JN, mm. um, you know, West Bam, Marussia, and it was going down more of a European techno route, which was where I got my first real passion for music. First time I ever went to Rome, Lauren Garnier was on. And it just blew me mind, because it was like techno, but it was trance. It was banging, it was emotional, it was melodic, it was everything. And obviously you had this great host, MC Cyanide, who was on the stage, who was like the classic old school MC. He'd, he'd elevate the night without yeah. just going, you know, for fucking half an hour. Um, so yeah, that's... that's, that's well, one thing I always, I always think when... when Obviously, it's, it's, it is held in high regard with the drum, right? Is how how influenced that place was by like as you say your european sort of hard dance yeah. as a whole because there was different variations of it but it was like the only club in the area that was that style do you think that's proper mind-blowing like it's odd it is, like, it is and it's sad because and i had this conversation with um glenn mc cyanide so yeah. they wanted to go down that route and become that style of club all, all together. Mm. But Cream, the super club Cream, started getting all the likes of your, uh, your Carl Cox, your Sven Vaith, um, you know, these bigger DJs and saying, if you want to play for us, you play exclusively for us. So the drone had an option then of, well, we can either get B-rated DJs mm. and, and be like a fucking feeder league for, for Cream, or we can go down another avenue. And he went down the hardcore avenue and it was to its detriment. Kinetic got involved. Kinetic had, had had its heyday over in Stoke mm. and it changed its name to Reality. 
Mm. Um, I got to, I got to play there when it was reality, not not when it was kinetic. I still claim it was kinetic. Like, like, <laughs> um, so so the looks drone, good on the CV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, not on the bedpost, any. And um, and the drone went down the <clears> roof <throat> of playing hardcore and happy hardcore, and it it didn't really work. It was yeah. it was it was it was good at the time. And they had a pandemonium night on, which I always remember, 1996. Sticksman and Majika. Oh my God. It was it was amazing. Mm. But it, it didn't have the same edge. Because at the time, you also had Kinetic, which wasn't that far down the road. Yeah. And you had the Hard Dock, which obviously Back to the Dock is, is, is whether you know, like, but Back to the Dock is a, a homage to the Hard Dock, which is around right. here, where, where we are now. Um, the Hard Dock was the hardcore venue in Liverpool. And the Drome had that different edge of being more European techno and, and yeah. getting getting more diverse artists on. But there was crossovers, you know, Ultimate Buzz played at both. Uh, DJ Demands and when they were when hardcore, he played at both as well. There was there was crossovers, and then we, he was a DJ, uh, DJ Christian. He was resident in the dock, mm. and he came to the drone, uh, and and brought brought his you know his style of music over. But yeah, at the time there was nowhere like it. The radio, not not. I mean, it, it, it is. It's it's almost like it's just it's it's there, surrounded by. Everything else going on with the, the house music boom and then and at the time there was um, like the you, you, you trance and stuff like the, all, all the all the known clubs in this area. But then this is like its own little anomaly. Does, yeah. that, does that make sense? Yeah, and it always kind of was. I mean, it, it, the drone before my time was was a, like a like a bit of a fun pub place, and obviously yeah. Dave Graham got involved and brought it more to like the underground scene. You had Dave Graham, Philly, Rusty. Uh, and they had like Carl Cox on, yeah, they had the Prodigy on, they yeah. had fucking Utah Saints on, Mr. C from the Shame, and they had all these big names on. Yeah. Uh, Moby, Moby played, fucking Moby was in fucking Birkenhead. <laughs> fucking hell, how mad's that? Yeah. Um, and then obviously, when Dave Graham left to form the 051, which obviously was, as I'm sure you know, hugely successful. Mm. And he still is to this day. Dave Dave Graham to this day is still a fucking icon in the city. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then they, they got DJ Six involved. And DJ Six took it down that route of the European techno, and obviously his, his sidekick Philly, who I I still believe to this day, Philly doesn't get the recognition he deserves because he was always kind of in Six's shadow, and Six was the showman. Six did all the scratching. Six had his hair dyed blonde and the red contact lens, and you know he was a real uh, spectacle, mm. and he was a f- sensational DJ. Philly was was. I, you know, arguably just as good he just didn't get the credit because he was kind of like not as as out there if, yeah, if you're yeah. the second best DJ in the world and the best DJ in the world on, on the same show as you you're always going to be in the shadow aren't you yeah yeah definitely um, so a question for you then because obviously you were talking about getting the decks and learning all that what was the sort of, what was the first record that you bought can you remember um, there was a, I'm not sure which one it was there was one or two it was an album one of which was an album called Mrs. Woods Teaches Techno, mm-hmm. which I didn't actually buy. I, I swapped it with a friend of mine called Stealing. Steel, he's not he's not a robber, by the way. That's his actual name, Stealing. <laughs> um, and I, I swapped it. I, I, he, he swears blind. It was a, a six in Northern Ireland double pack tape. I think it was an Elsa Skelter pack, whatever it was. Anyway, I swapped them for this album, Mrs. Woods Teaches Techno. And the only track of it I can remember that was definitely on it was DJ PC, We Choose to Go to the Moon. Right. And it was the, either that was my first record 
or there was an album called I think it's called Club Classics, and it had Artemisia bits and pieces on. Right. It also had uh, Live and Joy Dreamer as well. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, at, the, at that time, so at that time I didn't have decks. We had a stack system in the living room, hmm. and I got a slip mat. <laughs> I got a slip mat. And I was, I put the fucking record, look at me, I'm, I'm a fucking, I'm a DJ, mate. <laughs> Scratching on me, Mars, fucking, what are you doing with that? Fucking, what are you doing alone, will you? Smashing your rhythm if you break the needle. <laughs> yeah, before I had decks, I had my yeah. mum's little stack system. Yeah. They did a little back and forth. I had to put a, cut up an hour fucking sacky top to make a slip mat. <laughs> so I think they were my first two records, I think. Excellent, excellent. Um, so then, going forward from there, what was like your, your first experience with maybe meeting people involved with the club scene or me or even going out to a club or or hearing that there's events on or like what so was it, it a big thing in your school at all or so yeah sort of i i i, I missed my last couple of years of school i ended up joining the army yeah. and, I, and I, when i when i came out of the army all my mates from school had all started going clubbing they were going to state they were going to drone and it was going to the drone specifically mm. we went to like wine bars like fallows too we went to the state mm. um went to paradox and stuff like that but they were all a bit more you know commercial you know fucking what's his name there's a tall paul rock the house mm. dun, 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 dun. let's turn all that kind of stuff with like nice enough tunes like and they get the party going but it was when i first went to drone that music started to resonate with me and i was like wow that this this makes me feel a certain way, and it might have been the fucking, might have been the, uh, you know, mm. the entertainments, <laughs> shall we say, that was going on in the 90s. Yeah. Um, the refreshments. Yeah. It might have been that. That might have had something to do with it. But it was the first music that actually resonated with me when I thought, fucking hell, I actually fucking feel passionate about this music. So it was going to clubs and meeting people at clubs, and then obviously subsequently got me on decks. I remember being in the drone and seeing a DJ on stage, and I remember thinking... I'm pretty sure if I had decks, I could do as good a job or better than what he's doing now. And that's yeah. not I'm saying right from the, the the individual. I'm not going to name his name, like, but I just thought I'm sure I'm sure I could do a better job than that. Mm -hmm. it's, it some of his transitions and all that. Anyway, I got my own decks, and then I always remember my first gig was actually in Birkenhead. I've, I've got this fucking affinity to Birkenhead. I'm linked there for some reason. Um, Somewhere out of me too that like <laughs> what a joke and people think I'm from Birkenhead sometimes <laughs> I've, I've, I've probably played more gigs in Birkenhead than any other city mm. um, my first ever gig was in Birkenhead and I'll never forget it it was the guy who who did the lights in the drone called Howie and uh, he said oh, give us a tape and I give him a tape and he was like yeah yes yeah, if anyone remembers tapes little, little rectangular thing <laughs> so we give him the tape and he went yeah so he booked me with this church hall in Birkenhead and I had Technics 1210s. I was lucky enough that that was my only Dex I ever had, actual turntable-wise. Mm. And I turned up at this club and he had Pro 150s. Right. Now, if anyone knows the difference, the massive difference between a Technics 1210 mm. and a Pro 150 is the pitch is the wrong way around. So where you're going, plus eight is up here. Mm. That was minus eight. So my first ever playing out to a crowd, it was the, the 2001, you know, the, the Techno remix. Mm. Put it on. Plus eight. I went, oh, shit. Yeah. Look, that would be first ever experience of playing in a club. It would be a church hall, man, and my fucking 20 people there. And I remember nearly, I felt sick. I, I fucking barely put my hand on the, on the fucking, I was so nervous. And um, and then from there, it was just a case of, you get, you get little gigs and parties and stuff. And then I, I, I passed the tape into the drone. 
and my first ever tape had passed in and I was going there all the time and I got a phone call to say, yeah, we've, we're, we're going to book you for two nights. Nice. Fuck, I couldn't believe it. But the, the idea was... What year was this roughly? It was... Night, it tell you, I'll tell you my first ever gig in the Dome. It was the same night Princess Diana died. So I think it was 1990. Two massively important things happened that day. Yeah. <laughs> One's more significant to me than the other. Because <laughs> um, I didn't know nothing about it this before. I think it was 97 or 98, whatever year it was. I'm sure people out there will know. You can Google it. 1997. So it was, yeah, I think it makes, it makes sense. Yeah, 97. September 97. And I'd, I'd, I'd hooked up with this lad called um, Craig. So we're going down another avenue now. So... There was an adverse in the Liverpool Echo saying a DJ competition in a, a club called Jack's, which ended up being the Aquarium. The Aquarium was big in the bounce scene. Rob Kane and, yeah. stuff, and Ian Revan all them played there. So I turned up to this this audition, if you like, and I played, and this other lad played, uh, young lads about my age, mixed race, a bit younger than me he was. And the lad who ran it went, listen, I can't decide between you two who to give it to. Just want to share it. So we just kind of went... Yeah, fucking sound. So I hooked up with this lad. His name was Vengeance. My name was Viper. So we did a tape. And we called it the Hardcore Hooligans. Ironically, this lad ended up in fucking prison. <laughs> <laughs> um, did a tape called the Hardcore Hooligans. One side Vengeance, one side Viper. And that's mm. what I handed in to the drone. And that's what they, they booked us both, thinking we were like... Uh, a duo. Yeah, yeah, and we, yeah, and we, yeah. we kind of weren't. We weren't, we weren't. So we both got gigs out of it. But my first ever name in the in the Liverpool Echo, which was the big deal back in the day, hmm. when you opened up the club club page on a Friday night, my first ever thing in the Echo was the Hardcore Hooligans. Excellent. I was like, bastard, that's even got my fucking name. <laughs> and then obviously from there, just, just did different parties and stuff. So yeah, so the drone was my first ever like breakthrough, if you like. And um, little claim to fame, I played the last ever set on the drone for a close, yeah. Excellent. Quite a sad, quite sad. Um, I have got a, a question that um, thing. You said that you had like an emotional moment where you were like, "Fucking hell, I really love this." What, what not? I just want to ask you, how did it feel when you walk when you walked into the drone for the first time? What was what was that like? <sighs> quite overwhelming. Mm. Um, if you ever went to drone, it was in its heyday. It, I think it had about fifteen hundred people, and every Saturday night it was. Rams of the rafters. Mm. The atmosphere was incredible. And they had this massive green laser that created like a tunnel. And as you walked into the main room, you were walking into this like, it was like something, like a, a fucking out of body experience. Really. Yeah. This green tunnel of laser. Mm. And you just see these hands popping up and then these whistles and sh you know, everyone chanting and shouting and the smoke and all that. And you, obviously you could smoke in the clubs back then. Yeah. Actual smoke. So there was smoke as well as the smoke, you know, the, um, the nightclub smoke. And I just remember thinking, Wow, it was like a fucking. It was like a moment. It, it, it was it in a, in essence, it was a life changing moment. Mm. I walked in and thought, "Fuck, this is." I, I, I mean, I, I like rock music. I like ACDC, but nothing that ever touched me. Not yeah. in a Jimmy Savile way, by the way. <laughs> nothing that ever touched me like this. You know, it it, it it fucking you know it really got to me. And there was there was there's tunes to this day from the drum era. It still fucking make the hairs on my arms stand up and still make me feel all tingly inside. I love music. I love it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I know it's a thing, you might not, your memory might not serve you well, but can you remember who the DJ was the first time you went, when you went on? Yeah, you so I, I went, so at the time I was a big fan of DJ Tricks 
yeah. obviously MC Cyanide. I was a big fan of Dave Graham, but he'd left at this point to go to the 051. Six had come on board, and Six was, as you know, mm. Six was the European mixing champion in 1987, 88, 1989. Yeah, he, so he was a bit of a fucking, bit of a dab hand on, on the decks. Mm. Like. So we had this reputation as being a bit of a wizard on the decks, three deck wizard and scratch and all that kind of stuff. And it was the excitement of. <coughs> Like ACDC, if you know ACDC, their frontman Angus Young, mm. he fucking runs around the stage and he's fucking sweating and all that. Lee Evans, the comedian, runs around. I, I like yeah. that energy. High energy, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's what got me attracted to tricks because he wasn't just standing there, you know, giving it all that. He was fucking bouncing his head around and jumping up and down and scratching and all that. It, it's the extra element. Like the garnish, it's, it's, the, it's the performance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's the salt and, salt and vinegar on the chips that mm -hmm. makes it fucking taste taste nice. <laughs> I mean, it, it you know makes a difference. So I was a big fan of these eight six. So this night, I'd only ever been in the states and stuff, and this this Saturday <coughs> night, finished work, and I, well, I was on my fucking mountain bike. Went to my mates. Well, he's all off tonight, going to Rome. I went, how oh, come midges, come midges, and I come, oh, I'm gonna go and see six. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Walks in. And six way and on. Oh, I was fucking gutted. But who was on? Lauren Garnier. No, no, And he bad. fucking blew my mind. I, I can't remember if who finished. I can't remember who finished. Because he didn't finish the night. It might have been uh, DJ Confusion. Or it might have been Philly. But uh, yeah, so D DJ Six were the first, was the first DJ that really caught my attention. Mm. And obviously after that, you, you discover people like uh, Kutsky and Alex Kidd and, you know, uh, Yoji Barmahanek and stuff like that. You're real elaborate DJs who, who grab your attention uh, and Eddie Halliwell of course I remember, I remember playing in, uh, in the Magnus and at the time I didn't know where Eddie Halliwell was quite a, a fucking funny thing to admit like but and uh, I can't remember the fucking guy's name Mike Lacey I think it was and he, he knew me from old and he'd come to see me play and he went oh you, you, you remind me of Eddie Halliwell I went oh right it was only when I seen Eddie Halliwell I realised how much of a compliment that was. Because yeah, yeah. Eddie Halliwell at the time, you know, mid two thousands, was absolutely untouchable. Mm. You know, he was he was the fucking the be all and end all. Um, so yeah, I've always been attracted to that someone who goes the extra mile, and I, I, that's why when when I walked away from DJing for a little bit, it was because I had the choice of either playing stuff that I wasn't passionate about. Or, 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 you know, yeah, I, yeah. it just it just felt disingenuous. When I'm <laughs> up there, and I've said this time and time again, when I'm playing, and people think, people look at me when I'm DJing and think, oh, the performance, you know, mm. I, I, that's what I'm like when I'm on my decks at home. I just, it's it's not a, not you a get performance. Exactly. I forget where I am. I'm not performing to you. I'm just enjoying when I'm DJing. I've picked all this music. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, you've got to understand this is all the music I love. No one loves this music better than me. I love yeah. every track I play. I wouldn't play something I don't like. I'm in the re I'm in the reverse too, you see. So um I and I only I noticed this in the last I don't know, maybe eighteen months or so. When I'm when I'm DJing um on their playing away, I'm trying as hard as I can not to fucking jump around because I think I look like an absolute idiot. Like, fuck that. No, no, I, I know I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. No, I don't think that, but no, but what I mean is <laughs> People just think, what the fuck's this fucking fat slob doing? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's mate, my... not, I've got no six pack myself, mate. Fucking hell. But... Back in the day, I used to take my top off. No, <laughs> no chance of that, no. But honestly, I, and I was playing, sometimes it, I, I just get carried away. Like, 